Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. This is David Warren, co-founder of Bridgeford Trust Company and chairman of the board, and uh, very happy to be here with yet another installment of our uh, what has become a very successful podcast series. Um, we uh, are delighted to have a return guest. Uh, Jonathan Gottman uh, is, was, is one of our first uh, uh, appearances of our podcast and uh, actually maybe one of the, the most widely listened to, mostly because he's not only a great lawyer, but also a bit of a stand-up comedian. Um, but uh, all joking aside, for those of you who don't know Jonathan Gottman, he's an extremely, extremely prolific uh, trust and estates attorney, um, carved out a, an expertise and niche in the asset protection space many years ago, and um, has become uh, really, all joking aside, a bit of a household name in Hackerling and in a lot of these various educational settings where he's regarded as an expert in asset protection and international planning and um, and and uses South Dakota a lot. So we've had the great pleasure of, of getting to know Jonathan and he's been an early supporter of Bridgeford and has taught me a lot. And um, and I enjoy always the joint presentations and listening to him talk about the next big idea. And today he has one that he's going to share with you all uh, that I'm particularly excited about, uh, along with a new friend uh, to, to Bridgeford. Uh, my new friend's name is is Mark Sims. Uh, we met in California, I think, first, not not too long ago. And Mark is a is an extremely successful and sophisticated insurance professional, having um, been in that space for over twenty five years. And um, he's president of a company that's now called Altcap, but soon to change its name uh, to Madison Insurance Group, which uh, Mark will explain and, and talk through uh, the nuances of that. And uh, and this big idea that he and Jonathan um, taught me, frankly, uh, when I was in California with them. And those of you who've been following me and Bridgeford and our podcast and all the digital media that we do uh, know that we, we love really big, neat, sophisticated ideas. And, and this one is really interesting. And you know, for those of you who are familiar with the 831B micro-captive, it's going to sound a bit like it, but clearly not. And Mark and Jonathan will make that very important distinction. Um, but the reality is there's a, there's a tremendous uh, play here from a tax planning perspective, asset protection, and all the things that we love at Bridgeford. So, Jonathan, thank you for coming back. I, uh, I, I think this time I'm paying you twice the amount that we paid you the first time, right? So uh, thanks for thanks for agreeing. <laughs> and uh, but no, Jonathan, let, please please kick us off and maybe maybe start with how do you know Mark and uh, and and take it from there. Yeah, like, like I think you told me zero times two is uh, zero, right? <laughs> Still is, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it is twice the amount. Um, a- anyway, uh, yeah, we're uh, uh, we're talking. Uh, very important to understand, we're not talking about uh, captives, micro captives, anything to do with captives. This is a commercial insurance company that's selling a commercial insurance product. Uh, it's licensed to do so, um, and uh, it provides a lot of flexibility. The type of insurance you can get uh, is business-related insurance, among other types of coverage. Um, and the reason why it might sound a little bit like a captive is because uh, this is structured more like a uh, 
like a uh, cash value life insurance contract, which you can do in other areas, but it's not the, those these types of contracts are not typically structured that way because it works better for the consumer or the business owner than it does for the insurance company. It doesn't maximize. We're, we're not designed to maximize uh, profits for the insurance company. We're designed to share those profits amongst uh, uh, amongst people creating cash value for themselves. So this is a very unique product. Um, I'm going to turn the, uh, the session over to, uh, to Mark Sims, who is president of uh, CapAlt, uh, which is changing its name and rebranding as Madison Insurance Group. And I'll let him explain that to you um, because we don't want to sound like captives because we're not captives. <laughs> um, and... Um, and he's going to explain what the product is, uh, how it works, uh, how it's governed, which is very strict. Okay, this isn't a product where you can play games with. It's it, it's for the uh, it, it's for the uh, intelligent consumer and the intelligent business owner who understands that there's a need for this type of insurance. It fills a major gap uh, to protect yourself economically amongst other uh, amongst other types of. Uh, 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 amongst a number of uh, a num number of potential catastrophic um, uh, catastrophic events that can occur, and then after um, Mark explains the product, I'll jump in with some planning opportunities that uh, are not easily seen typically by the untrained eye on the estate planning side, and how you can use trusts and dynasty trusts and uh, and all sorts of different types of uh, financial products with. Uh, with this type of insurance link security, which Mark is going to talk to you about. So Mark, I'm going to turn the, uh, the program over to you. Mark is again, president of, uh, of CapAlt or soon to be Madison insurance group. And uh, he's a graduate of the uh, Indiana university school of business. And uh, I'm going to, uh, to turn it over to you, Mark. Great. Thank you, Jonathan. And David, thank you for uh, having us on. And, and, and my first time on your podcast, it's an honor so yeah, as to Jonathan said, uh, I am president of a company called CapAlt. Uh, we we currently or have been for the last twenty two years been managing and operating uh, an insurance company model that allows for an operating company to purchase and cover against what what is commonly uh, mentioned into this, this space enterprise risk or what I like to refer to as business interruption risk. These are uh, insurable risks that all businesses have that um, will will cover a catastrophic event that is you know unlikely to occur or low probability to occur, and these are types of coverages that a business can go to an Aon or some other large commercial carrier and buy, but most businesses don't insure or buy these coverages mainly for two reasons: one, these risks are low probability to occur. Number two, they're really expensive. So most business owners will take the uh, path of I'll insure through what I like to refer to as the hope and pray method, right? Hope and pray that never that <laughs> some of these things don't ever happen. Um, because if they did ever happen and they didn't buy the insurance or the insurance to cover it, then they got to pay it out of their company cash flows and they better hope that they have the cash flow to cover that risk. These are risks like, you know, it, it and most people didn't think about these risks until we hit a pandemic. Right. Uh, some of these risks are supply chain interruption. You can insure against loss of a key supplier, loss of a key customer or key contract, loss of key talent, 
which has been relevant since the pandemic? Uh, what if there's changes in laws or regulations that affect a company's revenue? Cyber risk is a big one. Data breach, ransomware. I mean, these are all risks that businesses have, and all businesses have some form of business interruption risk. Now, they, like I said, they could go to a commercial carrier and buy these. But if they bought these coverages from a big commercial carrier and they did this for a number of years, three years, five years, seven years, however long, and the business has an event, either they sell or they just no longer want to buy the coverages, they can't call that commercial carrier and say, hey, all those premiums that I paid you, I know you allocated so much to operational expenses. I know you allocated so much to claims. I didn't have any claims. My company didn't have any claims or we had very little claims. All of our premiums that we paid you after you allowed for expenses and claims, whatever was left is underwriting profit. And all insurance companies take all their underwriting profit from all their insurers and they invest it for investment income. That's how insurance companies make money, right? They are in the business to manage and pay claims, but really at the end of the day, they want to make money and they how they do that is they take that underwriting profit investment income. An insured business who bought these enterprise risk or these business interruption policies from a commercial carrier cannot call them up and say, hey, send me all the underwriting profit investment income that you earned on my premium back. They're not going to do it. They keep it. We have, a cup, we have an insurance company model that is actually domiciled and governed by the Puerto Rico Department of Insurance because this then why we're in Puerto Rico, there's a number of reasons. But number one is Puerto Rico, as a commonwealth of the United States, have their own governance, so their own sovereignty. And they have established, allowed us to establish under the Puerto Rico statutes, this insurance company model that allows for each insured premiums to flow into a separate account inside the insurance company. And those premiums will go into that account and they're invested as they sit there. They're there to satisfy claims of the business that has the policies linked to that account. But instead of that, those fu those funds that flow into that linked account stay being going back to the shareholders of the insurance company. This insurance company allows for an investor to purchase an insurance linked bond or an insurance linked security from the insurance company. And when they buy this corporate bond from the insurance company, the investor gets what's called plan rights or exchange rights. It's a derivative instrument that gives the investor all of the ownership rights to put their rights to that insurance company when the insurance policies have been removed and the policy claims and encumbrances have been removed by the business. It allows for the investor to tell the insurance company, I want to put my rights and that money with them would be sent from the insurance company to the investor. And in the investor, that would be deemed a return of long-term capital and tax as a long-term capital gain tax rate. So what this product and what this insurance company allows is there's two transactions here. There's an insured business that's buying insurance, buying business interruption policy or enterprise risk insurance, and they're transferring the risk of these coverages to the insurance company. And when the business pays those, pays those premiums, they're gone. The second transaction here is that there is, an there is an investor who's purchasing this insurance-linked bond. And when the investor buys this bond from the insurance company, it links them 
to the underwriting profits and the investment income of those premium dollars that float into this separate account of this protected cell company. And they have all the ownership rights to pull that money out. But until that time, those assets belong to the reinsurance company to fund its the insured link policies claims liability. So what this creates is a, a business to buy coverage at a, an expensed item, and it allows for an investor to get underwriting profits and investment income of the business's own good risk for little or no claims liability some point down the road. So that's what the program is. It's an insurance-linked bond purchased from a protected cell insurance company governed and regulated by the Puerto Rico Department of Insurance. The other reason why we use Puerto Rico as a domicile, other than the fact that they allow for this protected cell company to operate in this fashion and with the insurance-linked securities linked and the insurance-linked bond and investors linked to the separate accounts, they also are taxed more efficiently under the Puerto Rico Tax and Authority where the assets basically can grow tax deferred while they're sitting inside of this separate account. So our job at Cap Alt is uh, is to manage and operate that insurance structure. So we do all of the regulatory oversight compliance according to the Puerto Rico statutes. But uh, the insurance company model it goes through annual financial audits uh, with Grant Thornton. Um, it is a highly regulated insurance company. Uh, that meets all and turns all the square corners as such. So there is no captive insurance company feature here. There is no captive insurance filing here. Uh, all of the financial reporting of these separate accounts are done on the insurance company's financials. The insurance company files an annual Puerto Rico tax return, and all of these separate accounts are reported on it, uh, on that annual Puerto Rico tax return. So there is no U.S. filing here uh, in the structure and not subject to 831B micro-captive filings or any of those kind of uh, scrutiny or issues that go on there. Yeah, and, and Mark, I'm going to, this is Jonathan, I'm just going to jump in for one second here. I'm going to break this down from a tax perspective uh, as soon as Mark's done with his side of the presentation. But I, I, I will like to point out too that the cash value, once it's there, just like a uh, an insurance product, it goes into a segregated asset account or a segregated plan. Under the law of Puerto Rico, if um, if Madison, the insurance company, ever has any issues and it, it were to go under, it declares bankruptcy, those, those are creditor remote accounts. The creditor, the general creditors of the insurance company cannot reach those separate accounts. So each separate account could be taken over by another insurance company, which would typically be the case in, in the case of a life insurance product. And everything continues to get administered. So, you know, the, the actual segregated account, once once it's set up and once it's funded, is protected from the general claims of the insurance company. That, and that's a very uh, good point, John. It's a very important feature uh, to this model because these segregated accounts do belong to the reinsurance company while they're there to fund its claims liability, they are they are protected from not only the general accounts of the reinsurance company, in this case, the reinsurance company is called Madison Re, it's also protected from all the, any claim liability from the other separate accounts and the insureds that are participating in the program. So yeah, it's a very well uh, uh, asset protected. And that's, and again, another reason, I mean, protected cell companies are not new. You know, Johnson, Jonathan mentioned life insurance and annuity companies. Those are all protected cell companies. But the uniqueness of this structure is that those separate accounts are 
completely walled off from the other separate accounts and also the general creditor claims of the reinsurance company itself. So that's that's a big deal. So so yeah, the the opportunity here is instead of those underwriting profits and investment income of each of these businesses being retained and kept by the insurance company, they're able to be returned to to an investor. Now, who are the investors that are buying these insurance linked bonds? The reinsurance company gives first right of refusal for the investor to be uh, the owners of the company or uh, family members of the of the company, but there are no restrictions on who that bond investor can be, which is why we partner a lot with people like Jonathan and David and companies like that who have uh, uh, where most of these business owners don't don't want to have that underwriting profit and investment income returned back to them, so they make the investor some other type of person or entity. And that's what Jonathan can speak more to. But we, we've we been running this program now for uh, 22 years. We've been in the Puerto Rico structure since 2015. Uh, and we've seen exponential growth over the last two to three years. I think for two reasons. One, this is not a captive, so it doesn't fall under the IRS scrutiny of a captive that all those things are going under. But I think two, Business interruption policies are now at the forefront of people's mind because of the pandemic. These are, you know, these are coverages that most commercial carriers are not paying because they exclude pandemics as a risk. This model does not. So I think more and more people are getting more educated on 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 business interruption or enterprise risk and how valuable and important it is to the success of their operating businesses. Mark, this is uh, David. Thank you for making that distinction. I, I, I think it's important that people understand how different this is from a captive. And, and I guess that explains in some respects, or maybe all respects, the name change, right? So that goes live, uh, what, November 7th? Is that right? Yeah, November 7th. And then and the, the name change, the, the, the name of our company is Cap Alt now. It, it was an acronym for Captive Alternatives, but uh, we always felt to be an, an alternative to the captive states. But because of the term captive, We've been screaming at our clients for the last seven years. Quit calling us a captain. They say it's all that's all <laughs> fine and good, but it's in the name of your company. So, yeah, November seventh, we are changing the the name of our company that manages this insurance company structure to Madison Insurance Group. The reason it's Madison Insurance Group, we have two insurance companies. The first is a direct writer. The other is a reinsurance company where these protected cells are. The insurance company is called Madison International, and the reinsurance company is called Madison Re. So we will be. So we have a group of Madisons, if you will, that we are that we manage uh, in this structure. So those are the that's the name uh, reason for the name change. Uh, that makes sense, Jonathan. If you don't mind, um, you know this is again, I think a wildly exciting planning opportunity for the right circumstance. But Jonathan, break it down um, from the aspect of where this is advantageous. First of all, who is you know can really benefit the most? The profile, I guess, maybe a sample profile person or. or situation. And then what do you see as the two or three most compelling planning tools that you can use in your practice with this product? Great, great. Really appreciate you asking that question. First of all, we're not going to call it MIG, which is the you know the, the acronym for, for Madison Insurance Group until the war in Ukraine has passed. But, uh, so let's, 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 let's deal with that up front. That's the, that was the monkey in the room. Um, yeah, but let, let's, let's break this down. Okay. I want to just quickly summarize what happens on the income tax side and then give you some ideas for planning, which are, you know, never ending here, by the way, if you, if, if you really think about it. 
But one, you get a 162 ordinary necessary business expense deduction up front. Now, what's important to understand is if you're in the world of a micro captive and, and not, we're not, this isn't to say that there aren't very good micro captives. They're just under a tremendous amount of scrutiny. Commercial insurance is not. Okay. But besides that point, if you're in the world of a micro captive, you're statutory limited, even if you can support a premium payment and an insurance policy with a much higher face amount in the case of an event that happens, you're only limited to $2.2 million. That, that's your premium cap statutorily on a micro captive. So even if you can support more with a commercial insurance company, there is no premium cap. Okay. If you can ju- if an actuary can justify a larger premium, we've had clients that have made 10, 15, 20 million and higher premium amounts, premium annual premium payments on policies because they can justify it through an actuary. If an actuary comes back and says, all you can justify is half a million dollars, you can't just set your premium payment at four or $5 million because it's just not going to work. And, 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 and Madison's not going to accept that kind of premium payment. So these aren't arbitrary and capricious, but if you have a situation where you can support a much higher premium payment, you can do that here. Okay. So you're not, you're not, so that, that, so that, that, that's the most important thing. Okay. So going in, you get a 162 ordinary necessary business expense deduction. Then you have 60% of your premium is allocated to your segregated asset plan. 40% is allocated to a risk pool. Now, again, Mark went into some of the mechanics here of how this works. But after a year is up, your remaining 40%, less the expenses of the insurance company, because there is a cost to doing this, gets allocated to your segregated asset plan. And the whole process starts again. Actually, it starts two months before, but let's not get too technical here. So as that goes in, you now, let's say you had a million dollar premium, you know, 600,000 to your segregated asset plan, $400,000 into the risk pool. At the end of the year, the full million dollars, less expenses, ends up in your segregated asset plan. Now, unlike a captive, you get basically tax-free buildup. If you did have some level of taxation, it would be at a 4% tax rate in Puerto Rico. But for the most part, in these plans, you're basically going to experience what we call tax-free buildup. So you're going to have tax-free buildup inside the plan. You don't get that with a captive. Okay, Even under, you get your, your tax on your inside buildup with a captive at corporate rates. That's just the way it works. And you can't get out of that. So the economics here is significantly better in the end. The numbers will always work out better with a cap alt segregated asset plan than 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 it would or, or Madison Ray, I should say. Uh, then 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 it will with a captive. Okay, so that's number one. You you also don't have the restrictions on ownership that you have with captives. It opens up a wide that you got on the Path Act that opens up a wider range of opportunities right away, a wide array of opportunities for planning in this space. So that's very important too. If you did nothing else and you get your insurance link securities issued to you, okay, when you go to put those rights and you could put those rights whenever you want, okay, in whole or in part. And by the way, if you stop making your premium payments, unlike a captive, you can keep your segregated asset plan in place with all the tax benefits, tax-free buildup inside for as long as you want, 20 or 30 years. If you stop making premium payments to a captive, eventually you're going to lose your status as an insurance company and there's going to be a deemed distribution. No one can really tell you when, which is a real pain in the ass as far as timing goes on it. But but in this case, you control the timing, which is also extremely important to understand as well. When you do go to exercise your insurance-linked securities and put rights and you pull out your your uh, 
your account, if you've done no other planning, you'll pull it out at a capital gains tax rate plus the Obamacare tax. So you decide when you're going to do that. The, the capital gains tax rate could be very low if we have a Baron Trump in office as president, or it could be very high, 99%, let's say, if we had a Sasha Obama as president one day. You decide that in the future. Uh, you know, the same thing. We may or may not have that 3.8% income tax on top of that. It just depends who's in office and who's in control here. So, you know, that, that's important to understand. Timing is critical when you're dealing with tax consequences. You also have a great deal of, let's back up for a second as well. You also have a great deal of flexibility as to how your account uh, is, is managed and the asset mix inside the account. There are restrictions, especially in the initial years. But, you know, if you, uh, Madison Insurance Group uses Morgan Stanley as a default, by the way, but you can decide to use Bernstein or Bessemer or uh, Merrill Lynch or whoever you want that will accept these types of accounts. They're agnostic as to you know, who's managing. So if you have a particular investment advisor that you use, there's no reason why that investment advisor can't manage these accounts. So basically what you're looking at in some ways, okay, and this is not the best way to describe it from a, uh, from a tax standpoint, but it's, a, it's, an, it's an IRA on steroids almost um, without the same restrictions. You never have to worry about when to pull it out. You can pull it out when you're 80 or 85 if you want. You can leave it in there for as long as you want. There's no minimum distribution rules that apply to this type of account. Now, there, there are annual fees, but they're, they're nominal in comparison to the tax savings you're getting. So, you know, that, that's like a, a fundamental or, or a, a, a very short brief explanation, a, a brief explanation of the income tax consequences. And there's a whole, you know, that, that's really more meant for a, a, from a 30,000 foot vantage point. But I think you can see how much more flexible this arrangement is than, than a captive. On the planning side, again, you know, I, I don't want to limit myself, but we could talk for hours on the different things, but, you know, that, that you can accomplish here. But the, the actual uh, insurance-linked securities could be owned by an asset protection trust. They could be owned by a dynasty trust. They virtually have no value when you take out this plan. So you'll make a minimal gift into a dynasty trust. And, you know, depending upon the cost you know, the, of the premium annually and the, and the growth in the account, there could be significant dollars down the road. So this works great in the, in the case of wealth transfer planning as well. Um, and you can own, uh, you can own your insurance linked securities through, uh, LLCs and, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and break those interests up with based on, uh, based on fractional interest discounts and, you know, and discounts for lack of marketability and lack of control if you're giving away, uh, units in an LLC, non-voting units or regular units as well. Um, so, uh, you have a lot of opportunity there. You, you can also, interestingly enough, gift these insurance-linked securities into uh, tax-exempt trusts, such as, um, you could gift them into uh, uh, DING trusts, uh, you know, uh, uh, South Dakota non-income grantor trusts. So, so that works well with the DING the concept? It wor works extremely well if you want to avoid state income tax as well. Or, or if you move down, the, you, again, talking about time, you could move to Florida when you live in New York all those years and then take, mm -hmm. you know, uh, put your rights or you live in California, you move to Florida or Nevada or Texas, uh, you know, wherever. But, you know, so there's opportunities there. But, ding, you know, uh, ing types of trusts work quite well here, uh, as, do, um, as do charitable remainder trusts. And again, mm -hmm. going into South Dakota, you have all sorts of interesting asset protection aspects to charitable remainder unit trusts and charitable remainder 
annuity trust. So again, lots of opportunities there. Not dinner, but could you could you linger a bit on the asset protection piece, even without a trust? Uh, what are there? I know both of you kind of mentioned the asset protection, um, I guess, virtues of this plan. But well, can you get into more detail? In, with inside, that inside of the inside of the policy, you know that your assets are protected from outside creditors, from insurance, from creditors of the insurance company. Mm-hmm. They're there to pay insurance claims if you ever need it, and if not, you know, again, grow for the grow basically for your your benefit, your client's benefit, your, mm-hmm. your, uh, your, uh, your, your, your company's benefit, et cetera. Um, you know, in order to fully protect the value of that account, you know, you can place the insurance linked securities, your put rights essentially inside of an, uh, either a domestic asset protection trust or a foreign asset protection trust. And again, we, you know, we, we have a number of these accounts, uh, we, we have a number of these insurance linked securities that are held by asset protection trusts held by dynasty trusts. And the asset, the underlying assets are managed in Switzerland and there are other places like that you know, mm-hmm. at, at Swiss private banks. So again, a lot of flexibility inside of this structure. Also, um, the um, uh, another great opportunity, and this works great with a South Dakota Dynasty Trust, is you can wrap an insurance links, the, the, these insurance linked securities inside of an insurance dedicated fund that's held inside of a private placement life insurance policy. We all mm-hmm. know that uh, the reason why you would go to South Dakota to take out that policy is you have a much lower premium tax mm-hmm. than you have uh, in most other states. So South Dakota is a very popular state to go and form a trust or an LLC or an, uh, and a trust and wrap those insurance linked securities inside of a inside of a, um, a private placement life insurance I'm policy. I'm glad you that said that. I was going to ask you about the the, the, the juxtaposition there. So you, you say that the PPLI wrapper works well here as well, in addition. Yeah, so we're, we're we're actually we're actually using two insurance products now, mm-hmm. and, and again, this is not a uh, this is not a session on private placement life insurance, but you know there there are certain rules you have to worry about and become even a greater concern in this situation. So you may have, uh, for instance, corridor rules and uh, investor control rules, um, and um, and diversification rules. Um, we deal with very high quality insurance companies that monitor. All of all of those issues very closely, and we carefully structure the policies, and we have ways that uh, we can deal with the core for for all of you insurance junkies out there. We can deal with the corridor rules, which become a serious problem if you get cash values as high as a hundred or two hundred million dollars in an often case, and as often as the case with the planning that we do, uh, particularly with this type of product, that 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 can certainly happen, mm-hmm. uh, in you know in, in in cases of high premiums. So. You know, we, we, we've, we've dealt with those issues. We've addressed them effectively. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's just important to understand that you have a, uh, a product here that opens up a wide range of planning opportunities in, a, in addition to the original planning opportunity that's there and, and filling a, an extremely important insurance need for, uh, for closely held businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time I hear you, and Mark, talk about it, I get more and more excited about it. And uh, I think you both laid it out perfectly. Mark, anything you want to add to uh, to what Jonathan outlined from a planning uh, opportunity perspective? No, I think he pretty much nailed it. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we we provide the structure. He provides the planning. Yeah. No, it's a perfect marriage. And as I said, we're real excited about it at, at Bridgeford. 
And, you know, for our uh, listeners, um, of course, uh, Jonathan and Mark's full bio and contact information will be there uh, to, to click on and, and to look at. I mean, I, I highly encourage anybody who's, who's listening and has an interest in this to reach out to one or both. Because frankly, you know, I had to hear it a few times to get my mind around. I'm not a, I'm not an insurance a junkie, Jonathan. Uh, I'm, I'm a trust <laughs> junkie, I guess. Uh, but, uh, but the bottom line is once you get your mind around the details, it's compelling. And Mark, I, and Jonathan both, I know this is a condensed, quick uh, summary of the process, but uh, a longer presentation um, is, is, you know, was great at the times I've listened to it. Jonathan, is there anything else you would like to, to add or anything that, uh, that you think we should mention in addition to what you have already? No, I think we covered it all. And I know it's a lot of uh, information in one session, so I don't want to overload people. No, this is perfect. And I think, you know, for those who need a deeper dive, they know how to get a hold of you. And Jonathan, of course, it's great to have you back. Um, and uh, if the history repeats itself, this will be one of our, our uh, best listened to best because of Mark's uh, involvement. So, uh, Mark, thank you. And thanks for the new friendship. And uh, it's really uh, a pleasure to have you guys talk about this big idea because, Jonathan, as you know, we've been looking at big ideas for over 10 years now together, and this, this is a big one. So, again, thank you both. Again, for our listeners, please um, take the time to look both of these, these professionals up. They're both extreme experts in their field, and uh, we're honored to be able to partner with them both. So thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you, David. Uh, certainly yeah, enjoyed you. it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for listening to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. And for more information, you can visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com.